1: M in Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence, live on Memphis's
0: sports station, 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad he's with us. Sitting in Crossreams, is the Commercial Appeal's lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at Auto. Mark, good day, sir. So Jeffrey, one of the things,
3: one of the, one of the things I appreciate about you, mm. as a co-host, go on, as a sports fan, as a sports analyst, you know, we we have certain things in common. We have certain things that are, you know, we are totally different uh, in our lives.
2: So you're saying we're two different people, two different people.
3: But there's th- there's things we share in common, mm-hmm. and one of those things is. Sometimes we can go down a rabbit hole oh, yeah. when it comes to, like, figuring out a sports thing, yes. if you will. I, don't, I wouldn't even call it. Sometimes it's a stat. Sometimes it's a, a feeling.
2: Sometimes, sometimes it's a conspiracy theory. Outstanding throws from the outfield for in Major League Baseball history. Like, yes.
3: Yes. There are many things that can, that can put you down the sports mm. rabbit hole. But, no question. But it takes a certain type of person to be willing to dive in, you know, really dive into it once you see one. And you go, you, you know, it's like it's ten o'clock at night, and you're going, "Hmm, I wonder what it would be like to compare John Morant's stats in ten specifically picked statistical categories compared to the fifteen other people who might get All NBA this season in the NBA who, who have even a remote chance of being an All NBA selection this season.
2: What? Uh, why not? The thing that I would like to tip my who cares cap- about sleep. The thing I'd like to tip my cap to you about this,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I'm sure there are plenty of voters out there that take this very seriously. Yeah. I guarantee you though, you'd be on the right side of the bell curve of an <laughs> F, put it in adequate of, work of actual research. Yeah. Of actual research of trying to come up with an answer. Well, I think in the midst of this, Jeffrey, and like what happened was I started doing
3: it and I was like, I gotta see this through. Like and I gotta put it in the column. You know, like
2: right. I wasn't gonna do all this and not put it in the right, column. No, yes. I do think that's another key distinction. When you go down the rabbit hole, there does have to be some type of idea or concept, some type, some type of inspiration.
3: Well, and even honestly, even if it hadn't turned out the way I wanted to, I would have had to put it in the right. column
2: anyways. Or you just end up tweeting it out. Like sometimes I've found when I have stuff like that, since I'm not a regular writer anymore, like that's when you just start like going on tweets. If I'm spending
3: hours in the middle of the night looking yes, up something, it's, you're it's, gonna
2: read it. I'm using it on the radio. I'm, putting I'm it out using there.
3: it on the, in the yes. column. And I will say. My sleuthing, if you will, mm-hmm. it wasn't really sleuthing. Research. It was yeah, deep research. 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 It re- I thought it was very revealing, and and I now have an answer to my to the question of should John Morant be an All NBA selection this year. So I think we should, I think we should start off today's show talking about that and the Grizzlies. It's Friday, we start our Friday shows off with what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend, and. I think, you know, it's, the, it's going to be the last week of the regular season when we come out of the weekend, and I think we will be talking about Jaws. I think all NBA will be a discussion as we get into the final week of the regular season nationally. It's already kind of started here because of Jaws' contract situation, but I think nationally that's going to be a big topic of discussion because the voters vote, They're like, at the end of the regular season. It's not revealed till May or June. But the votes are it's a regular season award, if Correct. you will, all NBA it's Endeavor. A, the postseason is not involved. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna share my research, Jeffrey, because I feel like in the midst of this research, I came up with a not so it's probably foolproof, probably not, formula for determining. You can pick holes
2: you can pick holes in it, but tread lightly.
3: Yes. You can you can pick holes in this formula I've I've come up with. This scoring system, if you will. Very it's very like Formula One. It's like uh each of these categories is like a race. Each of these statistical categories trying to get points. Ranking the sixteen uh most eligible bachelors, if mm-hmm. you will, for all NBA. Um Who's so, the first
2: stopping? <laughs> uh Luca. Mm. <laughs> Luca is That man. actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, Both kind of pouty, and Lewis
3: Hamilton is Steph Curry.
2: Mm. Not this year. No, <laughs> yeah, you know. Lewis needs a new car. <laughs> he doesn't need a new car, and he's complaining about it.
3: So we'll start off today's show with okay, that. We'll
2: f- also, oh, go- that would be great. Uh, comp of team principals to NBA coaches. Mm. No question, though. Horner, Steve Kerr, right? Yes. Both exceptional blowhards mm-hmm. that are wildly hypocritical, but yet they're
3: also pretty good at their jobs. Correct. You you yeah. have
2: this begrudging respect for them.
3: Yes. Um... 2.40 or so, Blake Topmeyer will join us. We'll get his thoughts. SEC spring football started this week. Um, so uh, he's had to he, – I think he called – In if you look through his, like, list of columns that he's written already this week, he's got Hugh Freeze doesn't sound scared of Alabama bully ball. Should he be? We've got Jimbo Fisher's ego is showing again. No surprise there, but what does it mean?
2: We've got – he wrote about Hugh again. Yeah. Because I think Hugh had his, like, big press, whatever. like
3: Spencer Rattler still salty towards uh, the Sooners. Ole Miss quarterback isn't Lane Kiffin's top concern. Listen closely. We got a lot of takes here we got to discuss with Blake. Um, so we'll do that at 2.40 or so. 3 o'clock, we will get into the list. Um, and, uh, and then we'll get you our games to watch. Games of the weekend. Games of the weekend. And I, you know, I just, I think the Final Four will make the cut. I think it will. I know it's not the sexiest Final Four, but at I think least it'll one make, game. I think it'll make the cut. Um, so plenty, plenty to get to. But let's start with what are we going to, what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend, and this all NBA debate. And obviously, it's it's of greater importance, if you will, this year for Ja, because it's the difference between like forty million dollars and his. Max maximum extension. If he gets All NBA, first, second, or third team, he gets a super max. Um, that that extension he signs turns into a super max, and it's like we don't know exactly what it is because the supermax essentially twenty
2: five percent of the I salary thirty five percent of the salary cap. Okay, I believe
3: the the max is, is twenty five, and then okay, yes, and the super max is thirty. You, get, you and we don't know the exact number of the salary cap for next year yet. But the 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 general – the thought is it would be, like, the difference between, like, 190, $190 million deal and, like, a $230 million deal for job, Um if he gets All-NBA. Um, so it's important. I asked him about it after the Clippers game Wednesday night, and he was pretty dismissive of it. He, like, cut me off before I could answer, finish the question and said, like, I'm not thinking about it. Like, he, he really was dismissive of it. Um, does not want to be talking about it. And I can respect that.
2: Um and um there are currently so I looked this up. There are currently nine players in the league on a supermax. Gotcha. Um no and like Well, I a, guess in one of those was he's Westbrook, not the only I think person, Westbrook was cut, so I don't know if his new yeah, I guess
3: so it might only be eight now. He's not the only person. Like Jalen Brown is in the same situation in Boston where if he gets all NBA this year, his deal could be um much larger this off season um, if he stays with the Celtics, but though I respect Ja for saying, "quote It's not on my mind, bro," which was <laughs> exactly how he responded to my question uh, initially. Then then went on and explained like he's, you know, he's just focused on winning right now. You know, like he he,
2: he gave he, the he gave the right answer. Yes, I was fine with it. Yeah, I didn't care. He gave the right answer. He also gave an answer that made me go, "I don't believe you," but at the same time, well, I he, get what you're. I get the Reason why you're saying it.
3: he gave me an answer that uh, did not discourage me from going and digging and figuring out whether he deserved Correct. all NBA or not. Um, so I wanted to know. So, what I did, what I decided to do, Jeffrey, was I went and just looking through the stats, go, okay, who are the like 15 other guys who could even have a remote be in the discussion to be all NBA this year, along with Ja. Clearly, Ja is part of the discussion. I have some guys included in this group of fifteen who you might go. They're not. There's no way they get all NBA. But I just wanted to have a wide swath. I I think
2: think that's fair. And there might be someone that you were not expecting to be Mm -hmm. on the list, and you're like, I I think that's that's a good number. And like then, and then I added like got all the guards
3: who made the All Star game, even if they're not in the All NBA discussion. I said, you know what? They made the All Star game, so I'm going to put them. So here were the names I have. So Jaws obviously won. Then I had Steph Curry, De'Aaron Fox, Luka Doncic. Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Trey Young, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Kyrie Irving, and Anthony Edwards. That was my that was my sample, if all you right. will. Sixteen. That's sixteen guys. Who in and, and keep in mind, only six of these guys will be All NBA. Okay, so that's that's the group. And then here's the stats I chose to examine them through. Okay? I went I went both traditional and nerdy advanced statistics, sure. okay? So points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage, three point percentage, e-field goal percentage, effective Effect. field I was goal ask percentage. Player efficiency rating, win shares, value over replacement player, and net rating. Okay. And, and honestly, in retrospect, I should have probably included turnovers in here. Like turnovers per game. All right. But I failed to do that. Again, probably not foolproof. But this right, is but a wide swath of Turnovers are going to be
2: included in like in net rating, yeah, efficiency, in player efficiency yeah, yeah, rating. Yeah. Yes.
3: Um, all that. It, it will be included in there. But I could have done another category. But this is a clean 10. You know, like, it was a nice 10. So, and then what I did was I just went through it and, you know, list style, you know, figured out everyone's statistics in those categories and then ranked them, like, from best to worst. And so... Did you care about a number of games played? So I have that on here. All right. Here's what I would say about the games played thing. Like, the one guy who I think you can go... there's The one guy I think you can go, I don't know if he played enough games, is Devin Booker. Um, that
2: was the first person that came in. He mind. had,
3: but it's not as, it's. he hasn't played as few games as you'd think. He's only played eight fewer games than Ja. Okay. He's played 49 games this year. So he's going to end up probably with like 52, 53 games, probably, I would guess at least. Ja was 57 last year. Ja was 57 last year. You also have Steph Curry is at 51 games right now. Yeah. Ja will play his 58th game tonight. So he's already going to have played more games than last year as of tonight. And then everyone else played, has played. Lillard, so the other one you could maybe go, hmm, about is Lillard is at 58 and not going to move up, you know, because he's not going to play again this year. Um, but so what I did is I ranked him in each of these categories, and then I go, okay, if you finished first in a category, you get 16 points, second, 15, and so, third, 14, and so on down, and then last, you get one point. And then let's see, like in these ten categories, add up the points and see how these guards stack up. And it was really interesting how it stacked up. So like I'll give you Ja's stats, for instance. Ja was um seventh in points. Um he was um let's see here. What he was seventh in points, um, Fifth, fourth in assists, fifth in rebounds, fifth in player efficiency rating, second in net rating, but he was also 12th in field goal percentage, last in three-point field goal percentage, second to last in effective field goal percentage, uh, and 13th in win shares. So like he was like a mixed bag. Um, and if you go through, when you add all this up, here's how it's stacked up. The clear two guys with the best point total, if you will, through this formula were Luka Doncic and Steph Curry, tied with 124 points. So they're driving Red Bulls. Yes. Um, then the clear, like, next tier, wouldn't call it the midfield yet. Like a clear next tier, like these guys. They're
2: still, they're podium, they're, they're podium contenders. And yeah,
3: look McLaren. Yeah, well, um, not anymore.
2: Not- <laughs> McLaren's really bad. This is actually now, this year it would either be, you're looking at like, Ferrari, but really it's uh Alonzo in the Aston Martin.
3: Okay. Um well Damian Lillard and Shea Gilgus Alexander came in at 108 and 106. I point love twice. this
2: Damian Damian Lillard feels exactly like Fernando Alonso to me. Like that's <laughs> like the same thing. Like they're they're older than some of the other guys that they're being compared to. Like, and they're they're kind of in the back burner, but like when you look at their careers, you're like, yeah, those Mm -hmm. That was a pretty good player. And then
3: in fifth, with 97 points, was Donovan Mitchell. And I would say... He's Charles LeClaire. Wouldn't you you agree that those five guys kind of feel like the guys you're like, okay, those guys are definitely getting in over Jack? Like, even in the conversation before I brought up, you know, before I did this whole adding them up, like your eye test or whatever, your gut feeling was, those five guys are probably
2: getting it. So the only one that I'm a little tapping the brakes on is Lillard because he's stopped. He's not playing. right, but, but he's still gonna he's still gonna
3: end up are... with more games than Steph Curry, and he's averaging 32 points a game. I think that's probably fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's the, the I guess the the and he's gonna like honestly he's gonna end up playing more games 58 than Ja played last year, and Ja got second team All NBA. You know, and so um and maybe that prevents Curry from being first team, because he's only gonna have played like fifty-five games. Um but so you got that. Then so here's what's interesting. Sixth place, if you will, in my point system, this one surprised me, and so did seventh. Sixth place, James Harden, ninety four points. Yeah, I also, seventh place Tyrese Halliburton, ninety three points.
2: So the thing with Harden for me is I've just, whether or not it's true or not, I've just convinced myself Harden knows how to manipulate numbers. Like the mm. number, you'll always look at. Like at, he's le- he had he's averaging more assists than any of these guys. He
3: like, that was the category he led was assists per game.
2: And the problem I have with Halliburton is not whether or not he's had a great year. I just really don't. If you put up overwhelming numbers on a team that is not competitive at all, like I have a problem with that like i I'm not saying that he has not had a great year and he doesn't deserve praise for the great year but I'm not just gonna be all that concerned even though you did say wind shares part of your formula mm-hmm. so he's that might even that might even validate his case even more because one of the factors is that he's not contributing
3: yeah it's uh it, it's it was interesting so then and then eighth Kyrie Irving. 86 points in my probably not foolproof system. Again though, just just an amazing offensive player. Mhm. Yeah. No, like for instance with Kyrie, to your point, in he's last and he's last in value over replacement player and he is um where is he? he's middle of the pack in win shares. Um what about PR P.E.R. middle of the pack. Um, he was like, you know, he he was good on the Nets, especially. And if you look at his efficiency numbers with Dallas, they're still pretty good, even though, you know, things have been kind of a disaster. And he's he's just an efficient shooter. He always has yeah. been. Um, like he because range because he's good. Well, and he's good at finishing at the rim for his size, and he's a pretty good three point shooter. Um, but so he was eighth. Ja came in at ninth. With eighty-three points.
2: Okay, so my first instinct is rather than rather than ranking it just in terms of like one through sixteen, mm-hmm. the players one through sixteen, it needed to be like it feel, ratioed based. Well, on like, doesn't it feel like
3: tears. Well, and it's not just that. It's just it's probably not why it's not foolproof. Is like you know, like let's say like. Someone's averaging four more points per game than so, like a a dramatic amount more points per game than someone, and that's the difference. Like the 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 one through sixteen point system is not is not foolproof. It's not like it needs to be better proportioned, if you will, based on differences. Yeah, what
2: you're saying is there needs to be like a qualifier. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, if the difference like someone
3: can be point one difference from someone, and someone can be like four points different. And be right, get the same number of points in my system.
2: Yeah. And like someone could have eight assists, and the other guy could have 7.4, and he could be like six spots down, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something along, yes.
3: So you got John Morant ninth, then the rest, Devin Booker was 10th, Drew Holiday 11th, uh, Jalen Brunson 12th, De'Aaron Fox 13th, Jalen Brown 14th, Trey Young 15th, and Anthony Edwards 16th. That was out of my 16 – when you did all those different stat categories and where they ranked among their peers. Um, I still said in my column that's up at commercialpeel.com, from going through all this, my gut still tells me, and I think it was what the eye test is going to tell you, is I think it'll come down to John De'Aaron Fox. Like, yeah, like James Harden, I think James Harden has a okay case for like third-team All-NBA. And I would think if Devin, if, if you can get over the games part, Devin Booker, maybe drew holiday, maybe, but I think ultimately when, you know, Jalen Brown, if he's a guard, you know, I included him in this Jalen Brown, but like, it's unclear. I think you can, you can vote for him for either guard or forward f- from what I saw. And so that might end up screwing him. Cause some guy, some people might vote for him as a guard and some might vote for him as a forward. But you know, they all have arguments, but I bet you it comes down to Ja or De'Aaron Fox for the last spot on All NBA. So, when you really look at, when you dig deep into the numbers and compare them all and all that, th- that's what I think it comes down to. And you know, like I think I would, you know, like ultimately, like as great a story as the Kings are, the Grizzlies right now, like maybe it comes down to if the Grizzlies hold them off for second, like that give that should give the nod to Ja, and if the Kings. You know, like, maybe that's how I would look at it, probably. But I can't blame someone for giving De'Aaron Fox All-NBA this year. He's been terrific. And, really, if you're going to go into the nitty-gritty, we talked about it yesterday. I think so. We brought up Jaws fourth-quarter stats on air. Or did we not?
2: Yeah, we brought them up yesterday. Yeah.
3: So, we talked about how they've gone down pretty dramatically this year, especially efficiency-wise his performance in the fourth quarter, or I guess his production, we should say in the fourth quarter. Um, And so what I did, because I hadn't done enough deep dive research, Jeffrey last night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take those numbers. We got from the Jaws fourth quarter stats, compare these guys, fourth quarter stats this year to him. You know what I found in field goal percentage? Um, I believe it's field goal percentage and three point percentage. Um, in fourth quarter fourth quarter field goal percentage and three point percentage, John Morant was sixteenth out of sixteen of these guys, these other all NBA candidates in the fourth quarter in those categories. He's fourteenth among them in points in the fourth quarter per game, and fourteen and fourteenth in field and free throw percentage among them in the fourth quarter of games this season. In fact, the field goal percentage, thirty six point six percent in the fourth quarter for John Morant. And the three-point percentage, 17%, both marks outside the top 200 guards in terms of fourth-quarter shooting percentages in the NBA this year. Like,
2: it's not pretty. And so I think all of this is related, and here's why I would say that. In the end, the problem that Jaws – like, when you when you put Jaws' year on paper and compare it to last year, it's pretty similar. The biggest glaring difference is he is not shooting the ball as well as he did last year. And it wasn't like last year he shot the ball particularly well. He's having a really bad shooting year. And I think the other thing that's fascinating to me is, is it possible the whole fourth quarter struggle things might be way more simple than we're just, you know, it feels like we're we're searching for all these answers. And the reality is the answer might just be, Teams are daring Ja to shoot in the fourth quarter, and they're taking away the rim, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's not been able to make them pay. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> I mean, you, definitely, I know yeah. this. That didn't that it's they what could it fe- they that sort get, of have felt
3: like against uh, they the couldn't get, they the couldn't get night.
2: stops on on Wednesday. That was the other issue. Mm-hmm. But didn't it definitely feel like they were daring him?
3: Yeah. Well, and Dylan missed some yes. shots too. Took some bad shots. Missed some shots. But regardless, uh, I, I think when I really dive deep into it, because I was doing all this. With the thought of, you know, because this there's been this discussion since he came back. Like, oh, is this you know, is what happened at the strip club and the eight game suspension is that going to end up costing him All NBA? And honestly, from all this, I would say no. I don't think the eight game suspension, it, like, here's what I should say: it shouldn't be the reason someone doesn't vote for Ja for All NBA. I don't think because he's going to have end up playing kind of around the same amount of games. As all the other all NBA guys. And like, I don't really think what he did at the strip club, his performance on the court is what should determine his all NBA status, not the incident off the court. I don't, you know, especially because the team did not flounder without him. You know, like, the every, like, it's not like the team went into a tailspin because of what he did. And, but I would say this. I think when you look at the numbers and you really and you really look closely at the season he's had, like there's a very good argument that he's not been one of the six best guards in the NBA this year. You know, he's he's probably been more like the seventh or eighth best because, you know, like ultimately, as you put it, he, there, there's there was no. It's not that he's worse than last year. There's more candidates. There's more candidates, and you know, ultimately, he is worse in the like the fourth quarter. He's worse in some very meaningful categories. He's also you know got way more assists than last year.
2: You know? Yeah, he's averaging points, almost like a a, a 1.5 more.
3: Yeah. He's, you know, I think his defense, just eye test-wise, has been better than last year. Yeah, I'd say that. You know, I don't think he's a great defender yet, but I think he's better this year. It doesn't feel
2: like he's getting hunted as often as he did last year.
3: It, and it feels like that you're getting more effort more often defensively, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like— He's, you know, I don't, and I don't expect him to go balls to the wall like Dylan on every possession. He's too important on offense to do that. But I, you know, I think he's, he's done a better job at like, you know, giving staying more, staying in e- front. Yeah. Giving more <laughs> effort on defense. So um, it's, it's going to be fascinating. But I, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about John Moran as an all-NBA player this year. That would be my gut. And it has nothing to do with missing the eight games. I think it comes down to, you know, like if I if you had to, if you put a I think a lot of people are going to pick De'Aaron Fox over him over him. So and I think those other five I mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Shea gilgis Alexander, and Damian Lillard
2: are going to get it. It's a bit of a complicated question because the way that I look at it is his on-court numbers left it up to the judges. Yeah. And so where I could say where I think the incident could hurt him, it does not, to me, a lot of this voting feels like momentum. Like, in the end, part of the argument against Jokic's MVP candidacy is I don't really want to vote for him again. There's You know what I mean? He has kind of negative momentum. I feel like that incident, brought negative momentum to John ja Morant. And then I think also you factor in he hasn't been it doesn't feel like a lot of his gameplay has been a story like it was last year. And particularly like highlights. So mm-hmm. think about last year. Didn't he have like multiple highlights that were like some of the most shared yeah highlights of the year. Well he did have that one in Indiana.
3: The the Duncan Indiana was it, right, But it did feel like it was more like November, December. And it, it like since the new year, it hasn't been quite the same.
2: Right, and I don't particularly have a problem with that. Like I do think he's taking – I think he is trying to be more of a point guard this year. But to me, where I could see it hurts him is if you're leaving it up the, to the judges and they've got one pick. I can see where it's easier to justify a case for someone else.
3: Like, if it's you versus De'Aaron Fox, like, De'Aaron Fox has the narrative edge over, yeah. And, like, as sad as it is, like, because I think the way this all all plays out, where media members are essentially determining whether Ja makes four, like, honestly, if they offered me a vote in this, I would not do it. There's no way I would do it. Because, like, if I, in some way, was having a hand in whether Ja Morant makes $40 million or not, like that ain't right.
2: Well, I also think that it should think, be, They should
3: come up with a different system. It should not be media members do it. If if they're gonna t- attach the problem that NBA I, to these contract stipulations, the media should not be voting on the it.
2: The problem that I have is that if you're gonna be someone like, for instance, I'm totally fine with Ryan Rosillo and Zach Lowe having a, a vote because I trust that they watch a large portion of the games. The problem that I have is it's kind of the same problem that I have with the AP Top Twenty Five. Most of the people that vote in the AP Top Twenty Five are beat writers mm-hmm. and they basically only watch the team they cover. Yeah. Or whoever they're playing that night.
3: Well, I think the way the NBA does it is they do a certain number it's almost like it's con- like TV. It's yeah. treated like Congress though. It's like each market gets a certain yeah. number of representatives on the the people who are voting. For all these end of season
2: awards, House of Reps,
3: yeah, yeah, that's right, House of Representatives, (laughs) Congress is Um, technically both. So we'll see. All right, I think though we I know the Grizzlies have two games this weekend. They play tonight against the Clippers, and then they play Sunday at Chicago. My personal feeling though is like I think tonight is going to be a really interesting and fun, and uh, this could be. I said it last year. I think this could be the last like truly competitive game the Grizzlies play the rest of the regular season. Like, I know they're fighting for the two-seed and all that. I get it. And I don't think that's nothing. But, like, you could tell after that game on Wednesday night, after what went down with Dylan and Westbrook kind of chirping at each other quite a bit during the game, um, Westbrook having, you know, the issue with the fan in the crowd.
2: He, By the way, it was confirmed. Mm -hmm. Westbrook.
3: Westbrook. Um And, that is so soft. And then you've got, you know, the Grizzlies are going to have Desmond, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Tyus Jones back available for the, they'll have the the full contingent of I think of what they have. I don't know if Conchar is going to play or not. He was I think he was listed as maybe
2: questionable. He was questionable the other night. Um I have a request for every fan going to the game tonight. Yeah, he's
3: question Conchar is questionable and no that but that's it. And then the, the only other people out are like yeah, Stephen Adams added. and Brandon Clark, um, but but then it looks like the Clippers are going to have Kawhi Leonard. He it appears he flew into town uh, after dealing with a personal issue and missing Wednesday's game. He was at shootaround today for the Clippers and is listed as questionable. Um, so, and and you had after the game, Dylan one kind of chastising uh, Russell Westbrook's trash talk called it whack. And then uh, also saying he really wanted Kawhi to play. Now it was said, I will give Dylan this. While it was somewhat confrontational to say something like that, you know, like I want him to play. He did say it with a, you know, by Dylan's standards, a tone of respect. Like you could tell like he wasn't he doesn't there was there was some disrespect directed at Russell Westbrook with his tone. I didn't get the same sort of vibe. Kawhi. With Kawhi, it
2: was like when he wanted Kyrie to play. All right, I'm going to save. I'm going to save my request for the list. Okay, but I think I have something that's very important for everyone that'll be at FedEx Forum tonight. All right, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Blake Topmeyer is going to join the program. We'll get his thoughts on what he's written about with the SEC. We'll talk some college hoops as well as college football when we come back. Right here on Gianatto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Yeah.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.
1: Giannato and Jeffrey, broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the next-generation 10G network. Only from Xfinity, the Giannato and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN. The
2: first inning is unpredictable, but you can place a no-run first-inning wager with confidence at BetMGM. Make a no-run first-inning prop bet on any Friday MLB game. If only one run is scored in the first, you'll get your stake back in bonus bets up to $20. Take big swings all season long with BetMGM, the king of sports books and official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Log into your account or sign up with BetMGM today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager, Tennessee only, new and existing customer offer. Opt-in is required. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. He is on Twitter, at B His podcast is SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week wherever podcasts can be found. Kind enough to join us this Friday. Blake, I was inspired by reading some of your work this week. Who is the best quarterback in the SEC this year?
4: Wow, you—you've stumped me. It's uh, a great question. Uh, um, is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Will Rogers? I don't know. I mean,
2: I, I'm Will's sure in this good. weird category of like, yeah, like I don't, I, I don't. Is he system? Honestly,
4: is it KJ? I think he – K.J. would be near the top of my list. I would love to see K.J. Jefferson with maybe some of the talent that a few other schools have. Uh, I, I think Jaden Daniels is in the conversation. My question with him is, is he, has he hit the ceiling? You know, last year was pretty good. Is that as good as it gets with him? I think maybe it is. It's still pretty good. Uh, I think K.J. Jefferson is really, really good. He He would probably be – He'd be in the top two or three off my board. With Will Rogers, I don't know. I, I was, I, I've always defended him throughout his career of saying, don't label him as a, don't, as a system quarterback. Uh, and then toward the end of last season, I really thought he hit a wall. And it, and it was the defense that was really winning games for State last year. And I am curious to see, for all that I've said about, uh, this guy's not just a system quarterback. Now I want to see it. Now removed from, from Mike Leach and the air raid, I want to see how, how this looks. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I, I don't think I would, I would go number one or two off the board for, for him.
2: Well, and then the other thing with KJ for me is, so they bring in Dan Enos after Kendall goes to TCU. Like, I think he's a much better fit with Kendall Bryles than I, I do with Dan Enos, and I'm in the minority. Like, I think Dan runs good offense, but Dan runs a very structured offense. I don't know if that's KJ's strong suit.
4: Yeah, and, and I'll throw one other name out there. I agree with you with the structured offense with KJ. I think you need you need creative stuff. Um, I, I'm I'm still unwilling to write off Spencer Rattler. Maybe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just holding out hope for something that's not there. But man, then he teases you with these games like he had against. I know Tennessee's defense and his pass coverage was not good. Uh, but you know when he comes back and does it again against a much better Clemson defense, and I think. That, that offensive line at South Carolina the past couple years has been really bad. Um, you know, kind of, it really has him playing with one hand behind his back, I think, a little bit with that O line. If he were behind a really good O line, um, you know, with a couple years in the system like he's got now, you know, second year in the system at South Carolina, I think he'd probably tempt me, you know, maybe around that like three, four, five pick off the board.
3: Do you think there's no way? the new quarterback at Alabama or the new quarterback at Georgia is not going to figure into this conversation?
4: I think possibly at Georgia, we might think they figure into that conversation because I think the end, the end result is, is going to look really good. And and I, I think it'll probably be Carson Beck, but based on some of Kirby's uh, past decision-making with quarterbacks, Uh, you know, Kirby likes to oftentimes default to what he's most comfortable with. And, and that's not necessarily a bad choice. We've, Kirby's kind of proven someone's wrong with with that. Um, And uh, I think he's comfortable with Carson Beck. I think he's a steady hand. I think the end result will look pretty good. Um, So I think when all is said and done, we'll we'll probably thank Carson Beck in this conversation. I don't know about Alabama. Um, I I really think they're going to try to pivot back to this bully ball approach. As I wrote today, I'm not sure if they have the offensive line to do that in the same way that they did at the peak of the Saban dynasty. I mean, it's great to say you're going to run the ball, and you're going to bully people around, but you have to have the offensive line to do it. Alabama once had that. They've got a lot of talented young uh, Nope.
2: May have lost Blake. Uh, I think we did. I think that, that speaks to the fact that there the- is. We, Sorry, thought, we lost you for, lost a, you for yeah. a
3: second. I thought Saban had cut off the yeah. line, you talking yeah. <laughs> ill of his quarterbacks like
2: that.
4: Uh, you guys got me back?
2: The, yeah, yes. the 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 thing though is the problem I have with Georgia, man. To, haven't we seen enough proof of concept to know that it's not there with Bobo? And like, I think Todd Munkin's a pretty good coordinator, and, and I think he was. I think he's pretty good. Bobo, I feel like Bobo's just running the same thing they ran with Rick in like nineteen ninety nine.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with you on Todd Munkin. I don't. I I usually think it's the quarterback, not the coordinator. Yeah, that's um, fair. I think it. I, I think at Georgia though. I am much more willing to hear arguments that it was the coordinator, as much if not more, uh, as as the quarterback. And I don't want to turn this into trash, Stetson and Bennett hour uh, because he he did what he was called to do. And anyone backs back national championships, it, it speaks for itself. Um, but I do think that was the case of it of the coordinator had a uh, had a lot to do with it. I mean, because we saw Georgia for years have talent. Um, you know, even in the earlier days under Kirby Smart, that they had one of the most talented rosters in the league. Every year, and, and their offensive production rarely lived up to, I think, the talent level. And then they brought in Todd Monk, and, and things started to change. So uh, I think you're right. I, I think it's, it's probably fair to say it's not as simple as, as plug-and-play with a new quarterback because it's not just the new quarterback. It is a new coordinator. Um, so the, the more I'm talking, guys, the more I think I'm talking myself into some order of K.J. Jefferson, Jaden Daniels, and
2: one throw from Joe Milton, like we're gonna have a highlight from Joe <laughs> Milton where we're gonna be convinced he's the greatest. Like that, remember that post pattern in the orange ball, where mm. like the yeah. the TV camera made it look like it was a classic. Joe Milton was throwing it into the stands, like a hundred no, yards, and, th- and then the guy snags it right before the end line. You're like, good god, this guy's amazing. Do
3: you know how he he is probably already preparing for his pre-draft workout next year, where he's gonna try and throw the ball through the roof yeah. of the practice facility yeah. after seeing Anthony Richardson yeah. hit the roof uh, during his pro day throwing exhibition the other uh, yesterday.
4: And I think it speaks to the how blessed the SEC has been at that position the last few years. Um, that now I'm kind of, as we talk through this, I'm kind of starting to think, like, ah, maybe this is going to be a down year for SEC quarterbacks. Well, if you look at this crop of quarterbacks 10 years ago, we wouldn't have seen this as a down year for SEC quarterbacks. But the last you know, the last four or five years, I think, has, has really warped our expectations for what quarterbacks uh, – maybe not warped, but it's just changed our expectations for what quarterbacks should be in, in this conference. Um, and as we talk through some of these guys, I, I just don't know that the position is quite as strong as it's been in, in maybe the last three or four years. And then I think about a place like Auburn um, – or, boy, if it, if it winds up being Robbie Ashford or, or, or T.J. Finley there, I think it really hamstrings the ceiling for Auburn in year one under Hugh Freeze. Uh, I mean, you juxtapose that with, um, with Ole Miss, and, and, and they got a bunch of options. They don't know who the starter is, but they got Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and Walker Howard. Um, I think I'd maybe rather have any one of those three guys uh, than, than what Auburn has right now in its, its quarterback room. Um, so it is an interesting landscape, you know, when we kind of talk through these these quarterback scenarios around the league.
2: Well, when you bring up Auburn, because that that was where I was going next. So I read Hugh's interview with Ross Dellinger, and then I've read your your column and the takeaways. So the thing that's interesting that you mentioned, I am not reporting it, but I'm nearly certain the player that Hugh Freeze said they tried to get and they could and he went somewhere else. I'm nearly certain it was Spencer Sanders. I, I'm like 95% sure that's that's who the player was. But the thing that's fascinating to me is when you read Hugh's comments cuz I agree with your your takeaways, but the thing that really stood out to me particularly in Dellinger's interview I don't know if they have the NIL thing ready to go and I'm very curious if if Auburn is more than just like it's one thing, hey, transition class, like you, you can get it in line, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe Auburn, when when we see the numbers and the like, what you're having to pay, like I'm wondering if they can keep up at this level.
4: Well, I, I guess the way Brian Harson recruited might might uh, he might be saying, yeah, preach preach that from the from the tower, right? I, yeah. I, I couldn't recruit because it's my NIL collective. I, th- I think that was, there was more to it than that. If you can't re- recruit there, if, he, if, if, yeah. if he's not able to bring in talent, then I think we would know. You know, it's so hard to know with NIL because um, none of this has to be publicized. You know, it's so rare for us to know the, uh, the guard from Miami, his name's escaping me, that, that made the, the $400,000 NIL deal. Uh, like, Pack. it's so rare for us. What's that? Pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so rare for us to know like the actual details of a deal. That one's just—I mean, they, like the company announced it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was—it was kind of strange, um, and and so you hear all these numbers thrown around. We, we we don't really know exactly who who's got what in their coffers and who's thrown around what. But I do think the proof is in the pudding a little bit, because no one will deny that NIL obviously plays a big role, not only in recruiting high school prospects, but but I think even probably to a bigger extent to, to landing marquee transfers. And so if he's not getting it done there on the trail within a couple of years, uh, I think that would, would tell you what you need to know about Auburn's NIL because say what you will about the guy, but he knows how to bring in talent. Uh, and my, in, in the past has, has bent more than a few rules to do it, or staff did anyway, um, but he can get talent. So if he's not going to get those guys at, at Auburn, then no question you, you can you can cast skepticism on their NIL. I, that, you know, it's, it's interesting you said Spencer Sandler, Sanders was the guy they wanted, because I thought the same thing. I had been seeing some speculation that maybe it, that meant they wanted Devin Leary, who wound up at Kentucky. Um, I'm with you. I think, I think who was alluded to in, in that piece was probably Spencer Sanders, uh, and then I think the other one who was alluded to was, was Grace McCall, Um, from Coastal Carolina, who I think Auburn also would have liked to have, but um, obviously he stayed at Coastal and I think if you kind of read the reporting we can piece that together a little bit there.
2: No, the the thing that was interesting to me, because he had a line in there about he was shocked when he would go into living rooms during the recruiting period and like that's the whole conversation. And it wasn't even necessarily that he was shocked, it was that he realized, like, at that point, like, well, we can't get any of these people. And so my question is, it's like, okay, I can understand, you know, short-term maybe you didn't have it all, but it's like now he's focusing on that, and I'm sitting there going, hey, man, y'all just passed the hat to get rid of two coaches in Gus and Mm -hmm. Harson, and the same guys that you're passing the hat to are the same guys that you depend on to get players. I mean, they – even fabulously wealthy people don't just have five million like on hand each and every year <laughs>
4: yeah, that I think is is sort of long been athletic directors fear factor. I think they present it in the wrong way, I think they present it they pre- athletic directors present it as well if we're if we're asking all of our boosters to fund fund the rosters, how can we continue to have a women's golf program right well i I don't buy that argument, but I do think there's an argument of if we're asking all of our boosters to pay for our bad hires um, when we have to fire them and, and, and pay out these, these crazy buyouts, how can we then also expect them to fund our roster? I think there is something to that. I mean, it's just basic business, right? Uh, I mean, if you're not having to shovel out money to severance payments, that makes you a little more nimble, um, and, and you're able to spend your money as a business elsewhere. And, and, and that's what we got here, right, is, is a business. And and you're right. I, I don't think it is, a, it is a bottomless a bottomless well of dollars. Um, even even your affluent donors, I think, um, you know, run into a point where they're, they're maybe not necessarily tapped out. They might still have more funds in the coffers, but they think, you know what? Even kind of milking me dry here for last yeah. couple years. Uh, I want to see if this thing's going to work before I start to invest so much in it now. Well. That starts to put you in a corner because you almost have to have the front end investment for it to work. But I can understand um, the exhaustion.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.